Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast, ABCDEF1 edition. Yes. Like for it. the first time ever, we are doing a podcast to essentially go through the entire season, our ABCDEF1 rankings, and basically rank all 21 drivers from worst to best. So it should be very interesting indeed. Tommy, the WTF1 founder, welcome. Thank you so much for sp- sparing some time. Of course, you know, it's near Christmas and, you know, you've you've done all of your work now and this is just <laughs> voluntary now uh, from exactly. you. So thank you, Tommy. I appreciate it. And and Katie, the WTF1 author, I've seen many, many happy recipients of your brand new book, the WTF1 Annual. Um, so congratulations on being an author. I'm, I'm waiting for the verified tick and then I can go and cry. Yep. It's only the natural way that this goes. Tommy, then me, then Matt. No, no then, then never me. <laughs> Let's be real. Let's be real. Anyway, so as yeah, as I mentioned, ABCDF1, we're basically going to be going through everything that we've uh, voted for on every driver. The point system is as follows. A star is six. A is five. B is four. C is three. D is two. E is one. And F is zero. Uh, so shall we get into this? Actually, let's thank TuneFix, first of all, for creating this table for us. Doing um, the work for us. Yeah, essentially sent us this incredible <laughs> table that we've gone where we have to make a video about this. So well done. Thank you, TuneFix2 on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, very, I love this kind of statistics that we cannot be bothered to find out for ourselves, but someone amazing out there has done it for us. So let's, shall we dive into it? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. In 21st positions. Remember, this is all points combined over the season using the grades that we then turn into numbers is, of course, Robert Kubica. It couldn't be anyone else. It's not the average. It's the added up points. So Robert Kubica gets nine points uh, because he got an A in Zandvoort and a B in Monza, raced twice. And if it was on average, he would have finished third. But I mean, I think a lot of that uh, grading... That would have been incredible. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, the, grading, the grading was obviously uh, given because we were like, wow, he wasn't actually that far behind Geo. But good old Rob picked up the, the sub... The sub what was that reaction, Katie? Just good old Rob makes it sound like a mate at the pub or something. <laughs> I reckon he'd be a great laugh down the pub. Uh, but he did a good job in those two races. He did, yeah. Obviously, he was bought in because Kimi Raikkonen tested positive for COVID-19. Um, and, I mean, what a track to make your, not like well, your F1 return, because he last race in F1 in 2019 with Williams. Um, but Zanvoort, like, that was such a challenging track. and. We were all, you know, a little bit unsure about how Robert would get on, but he did a phenomenal job. Um, and unfortunately, things didn't quite work out as smoothly as he wanted in Monza. But overall, not bad. Glad to have him back. So, yeah, also, it's, I've, it's, I've just noticed I've got Peppa Pig on the radiator. <laughs> <laughs> earlier i was like why have you got that on yeah that's, i was cleaning out a cupboard and i just found that it was a <laughs> present for soph uh, <laughs> just realized she just sat there i'm leaving i'm leaving pepper there to be honest with you carry on tommy uh, what i was going to say is yeah it's nice it's actually quite nice that he ended his uh well you'd you'd assume unless he he subs in again that it would probably be his last 
last race or races this season. Um, and it was just a nicer way for him to return. Cause let's be honest, the, his return at Williams, you know, who's in the worst car by an absolute mile and just qualifying 20th every weekend and had nothing to fight for. Whereas it was nice to see him in a car where he could actually compete. And I mean, for, for his comeback, we were obviously very impressed and I think rightly so. So yeah, A and a B fair play third overall goat. <laughs> Third average overall. Let's not yeah, get yeah, yeah. you know. Let's not get confused here already. Well done, Robert Kubica. Congratulations. Uh, okay, so we move on to the permanent drivers of the grid, and there'll be no surprise that in twentieth position we have Nikita Mazepin with forty-five points. Uh, had a best result of eight times, receiving a C, and a worst of F in Bahrain, where he crashed on the first lap of his debut race. But he had four C grades to end the year. Um, I mean, C grades for us is usually, oh, didn't really see him, is a thing. <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't take too many uh, things from that. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you compare what he was like at the beginning of the season to the end, uh, you'd have to say there was a steady improvement in terms of not crashing as much. Um, I wouldn't say he got much closer to Mick Schumacher apart from maybe one or two occasions. Mick was definitely the the team leader by quite a substantial margin. And I think we joked about this at the start of the season. We did still see it towards the end where they'll be together on the track. And the next thing you know, Mazepin's 45 seconds behind Mick Schumacher. And, you know, obviously we don't get to see how his race unfolds because he's not at the front. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's still a rather poor season uh, from him. Yeah, even as a, a rookie against a rookie, it wasn't a fantastic season, to say the least. I mean... We at least gave it, these are obviously our, our grades averaged out. Um, the fans, obviously, we we joked uh, a lot. Well, yeah. and they yeah. gave him an F pretty much every weekend. Um, apart from, I think he got an A star maybe for not turning up in uh, Abu Dhabi maybe. Um, but anyway, yeah, our, our grade, he was, he was more consistent at the end of the year, but realistically, it was more just the fact that he wasn't bad as opposed to him being good. It was just... Uh, nothing particularly spectacular, really, all season. Yeah, no, like, well, obviously, he got the uh, nickname Mazaspin at the start of the year. I think partly that's getting, you know, a hang of these F1 cars, but also, you know, he's been very vocal about the fact that he had this chassis that he didn't get on with. So once that changed, his results did improve to, you know, give him some credibility to what he was saying. Um, but yeah, probably not the best debut compared to his teammate. I think in qualifying, Mick outqualified him literally 21 to zero or something like that. Because I don't, I don't think, think there was any up. clean sweeps, was there this year? I don't think there was a clean sweep. We'll have to check that one. No, but... it wasn't wasn't a clean sweep, but it was very close. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Maybe it wasn't included the one where um, Mick didn't make it through to qualifying because he crashed. But Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think probably. it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I guess uh, just for the stat people, they're like, actually. So he qualified him twice. There you go. She'd like a 20. Must have been two. Thank you, oh, Tommy. Nice. Thank you for the clarification. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, moving swiftly on. In 19th position, we have Kimi Raikkonen. With 57 points, so 12 more than Nikita Mazepin. Uh, he had a best result of A in Mexico and Russia, where he got points finishes, and a worst result of F, where he literally just crashed into the back of Giovinazzi in Portugal on a straight. And that's where you're thinking, eh, Kimi's probably done. Um, Three races yeah, in. <laughs> it, it, it was a very lackluster final season for Kimi Raikkonen, to be honest with you. I think Alfa Romeo generally were very poor. 
Um, and, you know, Kimi went from kind of beating Giovinazzi quite comprehensively, I guess, when they were first teamed up together to then kind of being beaten by Antonio. And I felt like that just more showed the slump of Kimi Raikkonen than it did maybe show the improvement of Antonio. Uh, so, of course, you know, he got some points finishes, but overall, Kimi was very much nowhere for a lot of the season, this, it, considering how crazy a lot of the races were. Um, it just didn't seem to really perform at all well. I mean, he ended the uh, season with 10 points, uh, which actually was seven more than Antonio, surprisingly. Um, but that was a couple of eighth positions towards the end of the season. So you could say that he did have uh, some decent performances, but overall Alpha were just not great. No, it was a, a pretty disappointing year for Kimmy, especially as he knew at the start of the year this was going to be his last. Um, I mean, F1 have shown the clip now where they drivers do their predictions and he said the race he's most looking forward to is Abu Dhabi because it's going to be his final race in F1. So to go into the year with that attitude that, you know, this is the last time I'm going to be able to do this and then to make so many, even like silly little errors, like we said, crashing into the back of your teammate or crashing on your way into the pit lane and stuff like that. It just wasn't Kimmy at his best, but um, I'm sure he is happy to be leaving F1, spending some time with his family and with a nice hefty paycheck. So not bad. Yeah. Kimmy is one of those drivers where it was more like a, a farewell tour. We got to see some humorous moments and he did to be fair, get have a couple of good results uh, where we saw his, uh, you know, him getting an A and getting uh, some good points. But yeah, it's very much not the uh, the old quick Kimmy we knew. And it was more like Katie said, he knew he was he was going. Uh, reason as well that he's even further down is because of the average again that he, you know, he missed two races. But even if he did the average, it only puts him ahead of the next two drivers. So not exactly uh, spectacular. Yes, good point, actually, that he did miss the... Did we grade him at all for that? No. So no. He, he, no, so he, he missed out on potentially six yeah. points, which that's why. Actually, no, to be fair, he still would have only been one behind his teammate. So, uh, okay, moving on then. Kimmy, well done. Or not, for 19th. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's absolutely devastated. Yeah, yeah he, he's he going to be watching. Yeah. Like, Damn it. That's the thing I cared about. Uh, next up is a joint 17th place. Nicholas Latifi and Yuki Sonoda with 61 points, so four clear of Kimi Raikkonen. Uh, with Nicholas Latifi, he, he had an A star where he secured points and was running in third for a very long time, which essentially enabled Ocon to win the race. Uh, that's, of course, uh, Hungary. And then the worst was an E in Emilia Romagna, where he crashed into Mazepin. Nicholas Latifi. <laughs> where do you even where do you even yeah. what, what do you even i mean i, I think Better. he definitely improved hmm. towards the end of the season a hundred percent at least in qualifying you know he out qualified george a couple of times legit uh which he obviously didn't do uh before this season um obviously didn't really get the results that he maybe hoped for but yeah it wasn't too bad i, I think he improved enough where i'm like alban won't demolish him next season um, so yeah, I, th I just think he's one of those drivers where you, you, he's not going to do anything special, but if he continues on this kind of improvement path, maybe just maybe he deserves to stay in F1. Yeah. He was just decent. Like he, I think he did improve quite a lot, um, from him being fairly poor last season, but yeah, him, I mean, him out qualifying George Russell in the last two races, we'll go into Russell way later, but 
Um, maybe, maybe that was to do with George already mentally checked in at Mercedes, who knows? But yeah, I think Latifi did um, all right, all things considered. But I think him being 17th is a fair, fair position to be in. Yeah, every year Nicholas Latifi has been in F1, he's kind of just been a bit anonymous and he's just been that Canadian in the Williams and just been at the back of the grid. But ever since, and this is going to sound like really stupid, but ever since he uploaded a video of him showing off his Nutella obsession, I feel like people have warmed to him and he's actually become quite a good personality in the paddock. I I'm really like him. That, no, I actually I'm really like him. He's like the funniest video. guy. Like, yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that video is single-handedly responsible for people now like referring to him as the goat and all this kind of stuff. But um, I think too, points finishes yes one was in spa which you know do even count that as a race who knows um but i mean finishing seventh in a williams in hungary yes i know that half the grid got wiped out in bottas bowling at the start but overall i think hopefully he can leave the season with a bit of pride um and i am looking forward <laughs> no, I to love seeing that. him love the way it. you say that it's yeah. so like pity like i hope he gets summed something up from this like Quite well, they've just been like, well, the Nutella video is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm I also love. It's very similar to the um, TikTok video, <clears throat> uh, Try Not To Laugh, that we did with Lando, where both of you are like, oh my God, this is hilarious. And then I'm just there like, he's doing a Nutella video. <laughs> 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 but anyway, uh, Nicholas, yes, he did improve, but still, I think Albon should definitely beat him next year. If he doesn't, Albon's uh, F1 career may be in jeopardy. Not that it is already. Anyway, um, and joining 17th was Yuki Sonoda. And Yuki would have finished behind Latif if he hadn't not been for his incredible final finishing position in Abu Dhabi, where he got an A star for, from both of us. So, uh, yeah, Yuki got 61 points as well. His best result was, of course, the A star in Abu Dhabi, where he finished fourth. And his worst result, well, worst grading was E from Russia. Uh, where I think he just finished a million years off the off the pace. Um, he had 11 D grades over the season. Now, that is quite an interesting statistic. Uh, Yuki Sonoda, certainly massive improvements in the last few races, um, at least for pace-wise. Um, but I, I say massive improvements, obviously, look at the fact that he finished 15th, 13th, 14th, and 4th in the last four races. But in qualifying... In particular, he seemed to be getting a handle of the car a bit more, being able to push and not cause a red flag, because I think he caused God knows how many red flags uh, over the course of the season. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think it's better to finish a season off improving than start a finish off. Well, actually, to be fair, he started the season <laughs> incredibly well. And we were all like, oh my God, Yuki Sonoda hype train. And he finished it off quite well. So I guess it's all right. I'm very much looking forward to hearing Tommy's uh, summary of this one. But yeah, this could yeah, be like a Tommy. You- Tommy rant, but yeah, what can we call it? Tommy Tales. <laughs> Why? You're still muted, Tommy. No one wants to hear my laugh. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, Tommy's Tales. There we go. Tommy's In. Tales. I like it. Very good. Um, but yeah, like you say, he started off the season really well, um, got that ninth place finish in Bahrain and we all sat up and were like, oh my God, Tommy is right. Yuki Snyder is like a wonder kid. He's doing serious things out on track and then everything sort of fell downhill um, when he had the crashing qualifying in Imola, which was only the second race in. And yeah, from that point, he kept crashing in qualifying or having little offs in practice and wrecking the car. And um, I don't know if that just massively dented his confidence, but there was a definite 
um, fallen performance from Yuki. Uh, but like you say, he had a you know some good results mid-season. Uh, got tenth place in Silverstone, sixth place in Hungary, and then like you say, finished the season off with a uh, fourth place. But yeah, hopefully it's just a case of you you live and you learn as a rookie, and he'll come back next year, and um, hopefully you'll be a bit closer to Pierre Gasly. But I mean, what a teammate to have in Pierre Gasly! Like that guy has been seriously impressive this year. So we'll see how they get on versus each other next year. Yeah, even as a rookie, he I can't can't even use the excuse of him as a rookie because he was yeah very poor and very crash happy and just not on Gasly's level. Um, really and yes i will admit i definitely uh hyped him up far too much at the start of the season but if you know at the end of the day um if you go on social media the only race that matters in the season is abu dhabi <laughs> so technically Sonoda's the fourth best driver uh on the grid so fair play to him wow <laughs> i've never seen such bland bland blind fanboyism. <laughs> that's no, incredible. Uh, yeah i admit he was he was he was very poor, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully that that race um, that he had at the end is like the perfect confidence booster. I mean, he himself admitted he was very surprised, especially in a in a driver program like Red Bull that they kept him on. So, um, oh, did he say next, that? Did yeah, he? yeah, he said it himself. He was like, "I I'm surprised myself they kept me on," which is wow. very honest. <laughs> and that, uh, it, it clearly paid off at least in Abu Dhabi. So, yeah. So let's well, see next well done, year. Yuki. Let's see. Let's see what crazy predictions Tommy has for next year for you. <laughs> Let's see. Well, just watch me hype him up and yeah. uh, him be terrible again. Yeah. So Latifi and Sonoda joint 17th with 61 points. We then go to 16th place with Antonio Giovinazzi. 64 points. And as I say, he would have still finished a point ahead had Kimi scored two Cs in the uh, races he missed. So very surprising for someone who literally scored three points all year. We were like, yeah, hey, let, let, let's, call, let's give him a higher grade because it's Antonio. Um, he got a best result or best grading of an A for Saudi, where he finished ninth. Jesus, we're giving A's out for ninth. And um, worst result of E uh, for Hungary, uh, where I guess we just had enough of him. So, yeah, he had 12 C grades over the course of the season. I think this is more telling of the F1 TV direction of never seeing Giovinazzi on the track ever uh, than it is maybe his actual uh, results. Of course, he had that very strange part of the season where he just became a god. Like he literally became Italian Jesus for real and started popping it in Q3 and Zanvor in Monza. As soon as they announced he'd lost his seat. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And yeah. Or, or it was, I think it was just before was that he started performing well because it started putting question marks over whether he'd actually keep his seat. And then he continued oh, his yeah, run of form when it, when, it, when it got confirmed. So, I mean, he had all those amazing qualifying results and yet still didn't score any points in those in those races so the only points he scored was in Saudi and then one point in Monaco uh, so he did actually make it into Q3 in Monaco as well I think so uh, yeah it, uh, I mean jeez Antonio my goodness me I mean what a just a poor season again isn't it like how from all of those crazy races are you scoring three points I just I just don't yeah care. that that is always the thing that comes back to me with Giovinazzi I mean at the end of the day, he's in a poor car. Um, you know, he's not in, in the greatest car, but even, you know, Kimi at his age managed to get two really good points finishes um, in in those races. And yeah, for me, it always comes back to what you said. In a, in a season full of crazy races where, you know, Latifi's running in third in one of the Mokons winning a race and stuff, 
how he's not managed to at least, you know, scrape a fifth or a sixth. Um, it, that's kind of what, what you want to see from him. And yeah, he's not in the greatest car in the world, but um, even when we've seen the more elite drivers, uh, you know, the, the Leclerc's, the Verstappen's, when they're in Sauber's Torosso's, they still manage to get these results of like P4, P5. So um, unfortunately, we've just not seen that from, from Giovinazzi. And it would have been maybe nice to see him, what he could have done if Alfa were more competitive next season. But for me, I'd struggle to argue that he deserved to keep his seat next year. And he just, just, he's like, I he's think a, we were surprised good, to see him great. this year, weren't we? As yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, no, Giovinazzi, he has definitely had the most average season out of everyone, I think, on the grid. I mean, looking back at why we gave him a an E in Hungary uh, was because he finished 13th in that ridiculously crazy race where by, even both Williams drivers got points and Giovinazzi was still trailing around in 13th. So, yeah, it's one less thing. Sad to see him go, but um, he's just a bit too... <laughs> that so much emotion behind it. Sad to see him go. Have a great life. See you soon. So you're a Formula E, hun. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you yeah. You're a Formula E fan girl, aren't you? So Lucky me. Yes. Yes, lucky you. Um, okay, so Antonio, 16th, 64 points. Congratulations <laughs> on beating your teammate. Uh, but then again, I think these gradings, we should probably mention, is this, these gradings, some of it is expectation as well of the driver. And I feel like we were a bit, you know, disappointed in Kimi and with Antonio, we probably didn't have many expectations. And then he somehow managed to yeah. get a few good grades. Uh, Mick Schumacher was 15th position with 67 points, so three clear of Antonio. He had six times uh, graded B and five times graded D. Uh, obviously, very difficult to judge. Uh, he beat his teammate comprehensively throughout the season. So, and he sometimes put the Hass in a place that it didn't belong. But generally speaking, there's not very many opportunities for him to really score an incredible result. Uh, I think 12th... Oh, my God, the doorbell's going again. I'm just going to ignore it. Uh, 12th position, uh, he scored... It's Mick Schumacher coming to ask. Hungary. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Mick's like, I'd like to speak about my grade, please. Uh, but yeah, three three clear of Antonio. I think, you know, I think it was a, an OK season for Mick. He did crash quite a few times. Um, so he needs to sort of get that out of his system. But... I think that he'll be reasonably happy with his this season. Yeah, um, with Mick, I know I've been quite negative with some of his grading this year, but I still stand by it because although he's, you know, ridiculously quick on pace, obviously, like we say, he's completely wiped the floor with his teammate. He has caused Haas to have a serious... <laughs> hole in their pockets from the amount that he's crashing this year because although we can joke and go muzzle spin like most of the time it was just a spin into a gravel trap or whatever whereas Mick is actually doing more costly like properly demolishing the car in things like did it in Monaco in FP3 literally with just like a few minutes left on the clock and couldn't take part in qualifying he did the same in I want to say France, but I don't think it was France. But like he's done it a couple of times this year. And obviously we saw it in uh, Saudi uh, during the race. So, yeah, he needs to get that out of the system. But generally, you know, not a bad rookie season and an absolute um, dog of a car. Yeah, Mick, I think Mick himself said in Saudi that he got a bit too um, over eager to catch a Williams because I think it's probably the first time he'd ever had the chance to actually race another car. So uh, not that that's an excuse for, like you say, binning it in the wall. Yeah. 
I mean, oh, don't say that, mate. He finished twelfth and hungry ahead of Giovinazzi. He, uh, exactly. I mean, he he's very crash. He, he was very crash happy, but he showed signs of like, you know, like a a great performance. Like 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 you say, Hungary. That's the kind of thing that you know, finishing twelfth in a house, and he was. I know Verstappen had half a car, but he was wheel to wheel with Verstappen at one point. They're the kind of things that you want to see from a driver, just because at the end of the day, they can't do much. You just want to see a little flash of brilliance every now and Mm. then. And I feel like um, we did see a little bit of that from Mick and, you know, he got into um, Q2, which shouldn't have even been possible. Uh, I can't remember how many times he got into Q2. Was it once? Paul Riccardi did. I think that's when he crashed. Did he he crash at Paul Riccardi and still got Q2? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but definitely uh, a few times got into Q2. Is so, it in Turkey? Or am I just yeah, Tur- no, up? definitely Turkey, yeah, because I watched that video of his um, wonderfully soothing race engineer who has is just the okay. most calming man ever. Gary Gannon. <laughs> what a great name as uh, well, Gary Gannon. Gary Gannon. I think that's such a nice name. That is amazing. I think we should yeah. just be like him for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> well done, Mick. Well done, Mick. On 15th. It's okay. Literally, Next year, like, the house might be faster, so don't Mick worry about it too much. And imagine just like his massive crash in, in Monaco, like writing off his car. He's like, okay, Mick, that was okay, though. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's, it's brilliant how he turned. I mean, I, I would probably get annoyed at that level of just being nice. I'd be like, just tell me I'm rubbish. You know, like, <laughs> like when he crashed, was it. Uh, Imola and he hit the wall and then Mick was yeah, like, Yeah, that was God that was the radio. It. Yeah, and he was like, Okay, Nick, Mick, we're just gonna drive around now and we're gonna change our front wing, we're gonna have a great time. It's just like oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> anyway, uh back to the points at hand. So yes, Mick Schumacher, P15, congratulations, 67 points. And uh behind him, or in front of him actually, in 14th place, is Lance Strong, three points clear with 70. His best grades were an A in Styria, Monza, and Qatar. And a worst in F, uh, a worst in F, a worst of F. You can tell it's literally <laughs> the end of the season. My brain's shutting down. Uh, Hungary, yeeting into Leclerc, who hit Ricardo. That was the exact phrasing that Tommy put in this document. So thank you, Tommy. <laughs> uh, but yes, that was that was poor driving from both himself and Bottas in that particular incident. Um, yeah, I mean, Lance Stroll, a bit of a, I mean, had a few good moments. I guess he finished P6 uh, in Qatar. Uh, of course, that's where he got one of his A grades um, and he did score some points across the season. But generally speaking, Aston Martin have just been poor, full stop. Uh, but Lance didn't really have any sort of wonder moments, uh, things that we sometimes see him randomly, you know, stick it on pole in Turkey or whatever. Uh, but no, we didn't really see any of that this year. So a bit of a poor season for Lance. Yeah, I know the, I know the Aston was, like you say, a, a bit of a tractor, but... Stroll is normally that guy that when you have a crazy Baku or a crazy thing, he's the one that somehow just ends up in third, getting a podium or, or whatever. So, and he was one of the only drivers um, that you thought might get a podium that didn't really. Um, you, know, you could argue that if him and um, I think if him and Sonoda had got a podium, it would have been everyone but the. Alphas, Hasses, and Latifi, which is uh, uh, which is crazy. <laughs> I love the way you phrase that. The Alphas, <laughs> Hasses, and Latifi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite a surprise. I mean, he, he did have his he did have his moments. Oh, 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> you just you just froze so hard, Katie. That was amazing. And then you went. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I thought Tommy would stop speaking because my internet cut out. Yeah, it did because your face that you just froze on. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Tommy. You were saying uh, just that. Yeah, stroll. I was surprised that he didn't uh, end up with a with a podium, or, or it was just quite a quiet season. He had some decent moments, but he's just going to be hoping that uh, they're a bit more racing point next year and not this first year. Racing four points. Hey, Katie. Like <laughs> sorry. Can I can I speak now? You may. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to say that I was expecting a lot more from Lance Stroll this year, especially with how quick the racing point was in 2020. And obviously, Sergio taking that win and him getting a podium towards the end of the year. I thought, you know what? With the back end of Aston Martin, we might actually see something promising here. And it's actually gone backwards. Um, I can't remember where I said it, but on a another content creators like pre-season predictions i predicted that we'd get a new race winner this year and the people i gave as options were lando norris and lance stroll and my god how badly did that age because we got blimmin esteban ocon instead so um yeah not not a great year i think probably the highlight of his year is the lance stroll replay and that pretty much sums up how his driving has been this year nice Replay. Forgot about that as well. The global leaders in below the waist grooming are joining you to leave 2021 behind and enter 2022 with a clear mind and clean balls. And special offer alert. Go to manscaped.com forward slash WTF1 for 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Four million men already trust Manscaped. Time to join them. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It's even waterproof. Also included is the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturiser and toner. This hygiene bundle will also come with a pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxes that will keep your junk feeling fresh all day. The perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com forward slash WTF1. That's 20% with free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash WTF1. A lot of emotions surface during the holiday season. Happiness, sadness, joy, excitement, stress, the list goes on. Remember to take time for yourself this holiday season and make sure you keep your mental wellness in check. Take a break with Calm. We're partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. Clear your head with guided daily meditations, improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks and drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories for children and adults. If you go to calm.com forward slash WTF1, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming and new content is added every week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds. Sleep more, stress less, live better with Calm. For listeners of the WTF1 podcast, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com forward slash WTF1. Go to calm.com slash WTF1 for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com forward slash WTF1. Right, moving on to 13th, unlucky for some, and I think a lot of people may be surprised by this. It is Mercedes driver Valtteri Bottas with 72 points, two ahead of Lance Stroll and 
I mean, Bottas had an absolute stinker of a year, in my opinion, uh, in that Mercedes. Not purely because, okay, he finished third in the championship, but was 161.5 points behind Lewis Hamilton. And did that on the spot, by the way. You're welcome. Um, and uh, despite scoring, I think it was 11 podiums, nine of them were third, one of them was second, and one of them was first. Uh, of course, his best grade was A-star, where he won in Turkey. Uh, and then the worst in F, where, of course, it's Hungary. Everybody's bad grade seems to be Hungary, where uh, Bottas, of course, went bowling. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think if Valtteri had been any... Like, we have not... I don't think we've seen Valtteri as far away from Lewis Hamilton than this year in terms of pure pace and how far he was consistently behind. His qualifying was letting him down sometimes. And if he'd have performed better and even just put one, one, two on the board and taken it away from Verstappen, then Mercedes would have clinched both the titles. But we didn't see it. The only one-two of the season went to McLaren. And yeah, I think Bottas will look back on the season as one to forget, really, despite it being his last season. And you'd think, oh, you know, because the pressure went off his shoulders as soon as he was announced that he wasn't going to Mercedes. But, you know, he had that great performance in Turkey. But apart from that, it was still a bit meh. It was. I know we've said some things on this podcast that have maybe in hindsight, been a little little harsh, but his driving performance in certain races this year have just not been up to up to scratch. I mean, look at Imola when he obviously had that incident with George Russell, but they were fighting. He was like in ninth or something like that. Like the Mercedes should not be there. Um, like George and- Russell. Yeah, <laughs> I won't. I, every time I think of that, I really want to just quote George Russell's team radio because he sounds like such a roadman in it. But <laughs> I'm hoping that we, we don't want to get demonetized. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> I'm hoping we see more of that side of George Russell and Mercedes next year. That's all I'm going to say because it's funny. Um, Toto, and then Toto won't be saying that. No, <laughs> George, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, also in Baku, that was just an absolute disaster. Um, he's had his fair share of bad luck, though. Monaco and obviously pitting from second, I think it was, and then not being able to remove the um, wheel tyre thing from his car. Um, but yeah, generally pretty poor season. Um, and it's a shame that his time with Mercedes has ended with quite a disappointing year. I'm sure he'd much rather have gone out on a high. But um, hey, how enjoy Alpha, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the way the way we do this grades, one thing I find uh, quite interesting about doing it this way is obviously it's it takes every single race um, as as the same because it's quite easy to get sort of lost in like the end of the season. And Bottas did all right, didn't he? And he had that moment. He had that moment where. Uh, I think we put a stat out, maybe it was after Turkey or something, where he'd actually outscored Hamilton in the last five races. And you were like, oh, Bottas is actually doing all right now. He signed the contract. But with this, you you can really see just how poor he was at the start of the season. And that's why he's so low down on this list. Um, He didn't get an A grade until Monza, which is insane. Uh, And and it's mad as well. When you actually look at his results, you say that he's so poor at the start of the season. He finished third, retired, third, third, retired, 12th, fourth, third, second, third. And we're like, he is, he is scum. Like he's the worst (laughs) results ever. The thing is though, he was, he, I feel like he, uh, he could, he could get third when it was the, the Mercedes was looking decent. But then when the Mercedes didn't look so great, we saw these races like, uh, Emilia Romagna, uh, I don't know why I said it. I'm reading it off the thing. Imola. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, and Azerbaijan, you know, so, so unbelievably 
uh, poor in those races. But then, yeah, you turned it around in Turkey and you thought, uh, the amount of times, we'll go into Prez later, but the amount of times that it was like, Prez is the best teammate, Bottas is the best teammate. It just flipped and changed all the time based on who was doing well. And we were definitely guilty of it and everyone else was as well. Um, and, you know, when Bottas got that win in Turkey and he looked like he was more consistent, we're like, Bottas is peaking at the right time and he was finishing third and helping them. And then he was nowhere in, in the Abu Dhabi finale, just at the point where Hamilton needed him. So, yeah, I think 13th overall is a fair, fair sort of judgment of this season. Not great. Savage. We love it. Okay, moving on to P12 in the ABCD EF1 rankings. It goes to Daniel Ricciardo with 74 points, two clear of Valtteri Bottas. His best was A-star, where he, of course, won at Monza, and his worst was E uh, in Monaco, where he literally got lapped by Lando Norris, uh, which was quite insane. Going into this season, we thought Daniel Ricciardo, uh, and please butt in if you didn't think this, guys, uh, but, yeah, I thought that he was going to beat Lando. I, I thought that, uh, Danny Rick may take a little bit, may, maybe take a few races to get used to the McLaren, but overall over the season, he would beat Lando. Um, but it just did not happen in the slightest. Yes, uh, his Monza win was amazing. And I love Daniel Ricciardo to absolute pieces, but this season has been a shocker over the course of it, 100%, no matter how you look at it. I think towards the end, again, he's taken steps forward to be closer to Lando um, in, in pure overall pace. But generally speaking, for a seven-time Grand Prix winner, seven, eight, seven? eight now, eight now eight after now, the season, yeah. eight time Grand Prix winner to get beaten so comprehensively by someone who's only just starting out their F1 career, really. You know, Lando only what, three seasons now. Yeah, it's crazy to think yeah. Ricardo has been in F1 so long as well. Yeah, so not a good rep, not a, uh, kind of tarnishes reputation a little bit, uh, getting beaten by Lando, especially after he then went away from Red Bull because you know there were rumors he left Red Bull because of you know the whole Verstappen whatever couldn't beat him or the fact that they favored him but you'd expect to be to go to mclaren he'd become the number one but that didn't happen yeah i don't think anyone could have expected him to be as bad as he did i'm not uh ashamed to admit that i thought he would uh yeah comprehensively beat beat lando and it was the other way around yeah such a a poor season and he's got even though you know he he won that race um you know, it all came on that that one day where he was superb. And he had a few moments, but I don't think there were any other races where he like absolutely wiped the floor. You know, even even Monza, like he didn't wipe the floor with Lando, did he? And, and was like, so um, yeah, couldn't have expected him to be so bad. He's, he's not really got an excuse next year with the, the new cars. Um, yeah, big, big yikes. I don't think anyone could have uh, thought Ricardo would be that low down no I mean just echoing what you guys said it was a very disappointing year for him wasn't it um apart from well without the Monza win like his year was just look, would look dreadful <laughs> if you put it out in front of somebody you'd think that that would be almost like a midfielder back marker when you've got somebody like his teammate Lando who was at the start of the season getting podiums on the regular so um hopefully next year he'll uh he will be back stronger, spend some time at home with his family, recharge his batteries, that kind of stuff in Australia and come back fighting next year. But it got to the point where I, 
I was like trying to defend him a little bit on the podcast and be like, well, you know, next up, he, he's got street circuit. He's got Monaco coming up and he's really good there. Um, and then he got his worst grade <laughs> of the year. So, you know, it's all very well saying I run these streets. But when you've got your teammate lapping you and you're finishing 12th, then it's a bit, bit oh, bad, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just looking at that, uh, of the actual graphic and like Bottas. Oh, actually, that's a total lie. Um, other than other than Spain, yeah, he had he didn't get a, an A grade an, until until Monzi got an A star, and then his only other A was um, in Spain. So he wasn't exactly setting the the world on fire. And then even at the end of the season, when he had better results, it was A D A D C D A D. So he was literally like a roller coaster <laughs> season of really poor or doing well. So um, yeah, he needs to improve big time next year because i think a lot of people well well his move was to basically get into a team build it around him and say i want to win a world championship with mclaren not be sort of doing okay and uh, not beating my teammate there you go the daniel ricardo slander is over we do love yes. you though danny <laughs> um next up in tied 10th position is esteban ocon and Sebastian Vettel with 77 points. So three further than Daniel Ricciardo. Let's start with Esteban Ocon first. Of course, a star for Hungary, his win. So a driver that actually didn't get a horrendous grade in Hungary because, of course, he won the race. Uh, and in Saudi Arabia as well, uh, where he finished fourth, uh, but was so close to the podium. And then his worst was an E in Austria, where he had a terrible qualifying. I think he got knocked out in Q1, didn't he? And retired lap one after a crash with Joe Venazzi. Esteban Ocon. Uh, finished 11th in the driver's standing, seven behind Fernando Alonso in the end. Of course. So close. Yeah, so close yet so far, Katie. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I think Ocon can be relatively happy with his season when you compare it to Fernando Alonso. And of course, you know, some people had, I, I thought Fernando would maybe a bit, be a bit worse this year than he was, but uh, certainly towards the end, I think Fernando was, was, was really great. Um, but yeah, I think it was a reasonably okay. Obviously, the win will be a highlight for Esteban and you know he'll take that and remember that forevermore. Um, but generally speaking, I think he was he was all right. He was, yeah. I mean, um, you know, apart from Bahrain, which wasn't great because he got punted by Sebastian Vettel um and just generally didn't have a brilliant weekend. After that, he's showed a lot of promise. And as a result, Alpine extended his contract. And then it seemed to be the curse of the contract signing because as soon as he was confirmed to be to 2024, his results just completely fell off. Either he was retiring or he was finishing in 14th. He had two 14th finishes back to back and then another retirement in, in Austria. And we were all thinking, oh my God, have Alpine made a huge mistake here, especially with like Oscar Piastri coming through the ranks in F2 and um, then, you know, did okay in Silverstone, managed to scrape points and then the win in Hungary and... I think there have been a few little blips, you know, Russia, for example, and, and Mexico, where he's not finishing in the points. But apart from that, it's been a fairly solid year for Esteban. Um, and I'm sure anybody being able to take their first win, they're going to be, he's going to be riding that high for a long, long time. Um, and hopefully he can take some of that into 2022 as well. Yeah, he wasn't great against Ricardo, was he, last um last season this he's had moments yeah after his contract I was like that is a big a big contract for him to get before anything happened um for his season looking at it he's just kind of been 
all right and then had these massive insane peaks like hungary and saudi but been all right is your voice all right mate you seem really froggy <laughs> really froggy you're anyway. just getting emotional talking about yeah getting emotional i'm as like do i stop and cough or do i keep going just committed i love it i love it uh, okay <laughs> so we mentioned that sebastian vettel was also tied on points in 10th position uh, he got an a star in monaco baku and hungary uh, but he got a E in Bahrain, where he had one of the worst races of his life. I think he picked up was it six penalty points as well coming out of that the five penalty points uh, in the didn't have any confirmation there. Just just my brain. Uh, five <laughs> penalty points uh, off the literal season opener. We're thinking, well, if Vettel continues on this route, we may well see the first driver banned for a race uh, through this system. Um, Seb Vettel. Seb Vettel, of course, had that incredible result in Azerbaijan where he could have potentially even won the race. Um, and then Hungary, where we, of course, thought that, that was, that's the reason why he got an A-star. You may look at his results and go, oh, disqualified. Why has he got an A-star? Well, of course, you know, he still drove incredibly well, fought so hard to, to, to try and beat Ocon for the, for the victory. But unfortunately, uh, there was a fueling glitch error, whatever, within his car and didn't manage to get the sample out. So, yeah, I mean... I think that those A stars have maybe inflated his overall season a little bit. Uh, he finished twelfth in the standings, uh, nine points ahead of Lance Stroll in in twelfth. Yeah, I don't think it's still been an incredible season for Vettel, but I think that's more maybe leaning towards the Aston Martin as a car than it is his performances. But at the same time, you know, apart from Azerbaijan, can we count Hungary? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's a difficult one to judge, but I think Aston Martin in general have been poor and, and that's the reason why we haven't seen better performances from both of them, to be honest. After Bahrain, when he had that moment, it was like, oh my God, is Vettel's career over? I mean, we're talking Are you emotional about... again, Doug? I'm emotional again. <laughs> Honestly. I really need to... All I... right, get, give it a little mute. Give it Do a massive you talk, cough. You talk. Okay. Oh, I'm going to a massive cough. Literally. He's... <laughs> so, whilst Tommy's getting emotional, Katie, you carry on. That's okay. Um, yeah, there's been some sprinklings of excellence all throughout his season. Um, but yeah, there've also been a lot of very um, average and below average results. So I was worried, like you you guys were saying, when we came into Bahrain, obviously left Ferrari and didn't exactly do brilliant things in his final year there. And then came to Aston Martin and we were like, oh God, really is this Seb's career pretty much done and dusted? Um, but he has shown that he still has some good pace and we know that Seb is someone who is uh, incredibly able to get a team together and help create a team to become world champions, if that makes sense. We've seen it, obviously, at Red Bull, wasn't so lucky with Ferrari, but he is one of, I think, maybe a few drivers on the grid that has that ability to really help shape a team and, and make a world championship team around him. Um, so hopefully with that experience, he can help raise Aston Martin's uh, expectations and their performances because my goodness, they need it. Cause I don't know how long Aston Martin are going to want to stick around being sort of just plodding around in the middle of the grid and not really having great results. But well, they, anyway. they, they were making some big old yeah. predictions at the start of the year as well, weren't they saying that third in the championship, you know, going to win the title eventually, all this good stuff, such high expectations. And they were, pretty shocking their car launch was proper God. just yeah it was it, it was really like we are the super team we're going to be amazing i mean i'd argue that 
probably even the last four drivers we've t- spoken about, Ocon, Vettel, Ricardo, and Bottas have had seasons where they've had big lows and then been all right and then had massive like spikes where they've had you know a brilliant performance like Ocon's win in Hungary, Vettel uh, almost winning in Hungary and almost winning in Baku. So, um, yeah, I think with Vettel, it's just he's he's gonna he's gonna need a, a better a better car to be to be back up there. But he's not. I wouldn't say he's been spectacular. Um, he, he just yeah, Aston just really need to get on top of it. But let's see new rule changes. That's what everyone's hoping. But I feel like every team is saying that where it's like, oh, new rule changes will be right up there, and it might even be the same order. Who knows? Hopefully not. Hopefully we get some sort of switch up Ferrari World Champions. Um, okay, so that's uh, the tie 10th. Let's go to ninth now. And Sergio Perez with 79 points, two clear of the two we've just spoken about. His best was A-star, uh, where he won in Baku, and his worst was F in Belgium. Sergio Perez. Yeah, difficult one to judge as a whole because he has had moments of brilliance. I mean, he literally won the world title for his teammate in the final race, which is more that you can say than what Bottas did for Hamilton. Um, So, yeah, I think that he's had moments where it's like, okay, you know, he had three podiums on the trot between Turkey and uh, Mexico. And, you know, I think that he has shown moments that he's got the pace. It's just so difficult for a driver to go into that Red Bull team. We've seen that so many times already. And I think Perez, you know, had he had a few better performances, similar to that I said with Bottas, had he had a few better performances, they would have probably won the Constructors as well. Uh, But unfortunately, he did have moments where he just wasn't on the pace. um, And it's not that same consistency that we see from Verstappen, of course. But, you know, Red Bull clearly are happy for him to carry on for next year and hopefully he can build on that. And it's a new car as well, as we've said before, like there's no excuses because you could say that the philosophy around the 2021 car is, you know, stuck with Max Verstappen and it's been built around him next year, much level, a much more level playing field in my opinion. So let's see what Perez can do. Yeah, Perez really needs to sort out his qualifying. That's definitely his biggest downfall because he was getting knocked out in Q2 where his teammate was getting pole in certain situations, which isn't going to help at all when it comes to to Sunday. Um, But yeah, with with Sergio, I think credit where credit's due. You know, we've seen that second Red Bull seat be a bit of a poison chalice because everybody who seems to be in that in that seat doesn't seem to last and gets kicked out. And, you know, yes, in Baku, you could argue that that win was gifted to Sergio because obviously Max had his tyre failure, Um, but he still won a race and he still beat the second Red Bull driver curse or whatever you want to call it. Um, And for the second half of the year, he has really improved, whether he's, you know, finally put the puzzle pieces in place that other drivers have struggled to do and, and maybe fight his corner and say he wants the car set up in this way, because obviously there's all these arguments that both cars are set up to favor Max. And that's why people aren't really getting on with that second car. Cause Max has got a very unique driving style, but you know, maybe Sergio is pulling his weight now and saying, no, I want this to change to this. And as a result, his, as a result, his results have improved. Um, but yeah, I think, there have been some some bad moments, but generally, you know, he's finished fourth in the, in the drivers this year. So I think he can probably be quite happy with that because in previous years, they other drivers like Gasly and Albon haven't finished there. So, yeah, it's flipped all, all year. Like I was saying with Bottas of like Checo's, you know, 
he's not he's not any better than Albon and oh he's not going to be able to help Max win the championship and then he'll do something amazing and it'll be like this is why Red Bull hired him and then I mean his looking looking through this sheet his grades at the start of the year no one is as up and down as Perez he got A E B D B A star A B C E C F B literally just <laughs> roller coaster like bing up and down bing. like yeah absolutely <laughs> crazy season and then obviously his heroics at, at the end which um is probably what his whole season will be remembered for you know helping uh, max and i saw a lot of things going around where when you actually look at the whole season uh there's so many pivotal moments i mean that that is just the nature of a finely balanced title where you can look back and go well actually if press hadn't have done this you know max might not have won the title etc so um i guess where He's done better is if you look at his grades at the end, it was AAA, BBCA. So he's, um, I, I think he's definitely got better. And I know there was talk that he now sort of stopped trying to copy Max's setup and go with something more his style and get, get used to it. And at the end of the day, he doesn't need to be beating Max. He just needs to be be there. And I think towards the end of the season, he did show that's where he needed to be, you know, Abu Dhabi. While he didn't, uh, he couldn't match Lewis and Max's pace, no one could all year. Um, he needed to be in the mix. So when the pit stops happen, you can block the other guy. And that's exactly what he did. So to be fair, he um, wasn't actually that far off for starting in Abu Dhabi. Like he was no, maybe no. three, four seconds. And of course was used as the mule to slow down Hamilton. So and towards the end of the season, that happened a fair bit. It happened in yeah. Kota as well, where you know he he knew he was just sacrificing his racing. I mean, even he could argue, did he even have a problem in in the final race um, right at the end, or was it just we? If there's any worry about bringing a, another safety car out, Glenn, the safety car, sorry, Checo, he knows what he signed up for. So um, I think ninth is a fair uh, fair thing, but I think we'll see him a lot better next season. Uh, they were right to keep them on, in my opinion. Lovely stuff. Uh, okay, so moving on to eighth place now, and three points clear of Sergio Perez is George Russell with 82 points. His best was an A star in Styria, where he qualified well, but DNF'd in the points with a power unit issue. And then, of course, in Belgium, where he finished second, <laughs> though finishing, what are we going to call it? Not sure. Uh, and then the worst uh, was E in Emilia Romagna, where he crashed with Bottas and was pretty much his fault. Uh, George Russell, yes, let's talk about. George finished 15th in the championship with 16 points. Had an insane run of form. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, he had an absolute insane run of form in the middle part where he finished eighth in Hungary, second in Belgium, of course. Then let's forget the Netherlands. But then we move on to Italy, ninth, Russia, 10th. And, you know, he scored four four in the five races there. Um, Qualified third in Russia as well, didn't he? Was it third? Yeah, third. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, some ridiculous performances uh, from George. Of course, you kind of look at that. Without that, it, the season looks very mediocre, but he just had this incredible five races uh, and then it seemed to tail off again, whether that's due to Williams being like, okay, we're done for this season. We've got the points. Alpha aren't going to beat us. Let's focus on next year. Who knows? But there's probably also a point of the fact that George is focusing on Mercedes and he retired in the last couple of races and whatever. Of course, one of them was Maspin crashing into the back of him through no fault of either of them. But yeah, George, obviously a great season. He'll look back on that. And yeah, I just look forward to seeing what he can do next year in the Mercedes now. Yeah, if you'd have done this grading after Russia, I think a lot of us would have put him probably top five, uh, top five drivers because 
he was on such a sensational run and there was all those races before even um where he got the points in hungary and and the, the i mean i say fortunate podium but i mean he still qualified in p2 which was a sensational lap um even those races before you know he was qualifying getting into like q3 in a williams and there was that run where even though he qualified really well had a bit of poor luck where he um retired from from the points but then yeah at the end of the season he just sort of is, is quite anonymous really at the end of the season i mean he got seven c grades at the end so um <laughs> we were just kind of like yeah did all right he was there he he raced um but yeah the middle the middle part of his season was absolutely spectacular and i guess um that was the, the time to do it because that's when a mercedes seat was free exactly i'm trying to think when they announced the mercedes seat they announced it right after the netherlands didn't they so um where were george's results yeah so he pretty much he got some good results before he was announced at mercedes and then carried on picking up a few extra points but generally like a phenomenal year from george russell um obviously we've mentioned it getting that williams through to q3 seems like a very uh ambitious thing to do when he seemed to be doing it without much of an issue some of the time um and like you guys say i'm just really excited to see how he gets on at mercedes with hamilton next year because from the tiny little taster we got in uh, sakir last year um i mm. think it's going to be extremely spicy and i can't wait to see it <laughs> spicy uh, spicy <laughs> okay moving on to the next driver five points clear of george russell in seventh place is fernando alonso his best grade was an a star in hungary where he obviously defended to help ocon win and in qatar where he secured that amazing podium and then he had a worse grade of a D in Emilia-Romagna, Monaco and Saudi. Yeah, Fernando had a pretty good season, didn't he, in the end? Uh, I thought, you know, didn't have the greatest starts to the year, uh, scoring what, five points in the first five races. Uh, Ocon seemed to be picking up a few more points, but then, you know, Fernando just kind of got to grips with it. It was kind of how I think I thought it was going to go. I'm trying to remember how I thought Fernando was going to do, but I thought it would take him a little while to get up to speed. And then... He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely shown moments of brilliance. Uh, I think that, you know, we've seen a few great qualifying performances from him as well, which maybe where, you know, an older man would struggle. But Fernando seems to, yeah, certainly still have it. I think if he has a, if he has a title winning car, it'd be very, very interesting to see how far he could take it. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I think Fernando could be pretty happy with his performance and Alpine in general, really. You know, they... Obviously, still finishing behind the likes of uh, Alpha Tauri. Actually, no, they didn't. They finished ahead of them, didn't they, in the constructors? Because, of course, Yuki Tsunoda did, yeah. didn't bring too many points to the table. But, but yeah, I think Fernando could be quite happy with with the season as a whole. Yes, I am quite a stubborn person. I don't like to admit when I'm wrong, but I will hold my hands up and say I was very, very wrong about Fernando Alonso coming into this year. Um, I thought Ocon would wipe the floor with him. And to be fair, they've been pretty even but in the end it was Fernando Alonso that came out on top um I when Fernando Alonso retired from F1 I was thinking do you know what fair enough like we'll make way for some new talent and then when he announced he was coming back I was like oh, really like 
you know, we've got so many young juniors in F2 that look amazing. I mean, we've mentioned Oscar Piastri earlier in this podcast, but, you know, people like Piastri coming up, I was like, are you really going to take some uh, a seat that could go to a, a younger talent when you've, you've had your time, you've had your fun? And uh, I have found myself literally, well, I was going to say falling in love with Fernando Alonso. That's maybe a bit strong. Yeah, we all are. We all are. <laughs> but he's been, it's like he's a different person. Unless he just did, I just was really ignorant and didn't see, you know, this this funny side to him that he had when he was an F1 before. But he, you know, it's not just me that had this reputation of him that he was a bit of a grouch and if things didn't go his way, then he wasn't a very pleasant person to deal with. It was something that, you know, was sort of uh, a unanimous um, feeling from lots of people in the paddock and fans and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if it's being away from F1 and, you know, with the stuff he did with WEC, it was very team-based and and all that kind of stuff. I don't know, maybe he's just happy to have a second chance at F1 again. But my God, he's been like a completely different person. He's been so funny and entertaining and his team radio have been the best of the year. Um, and not to mention his constant... Um, justice that he wants from the FIA on track limits and stuff like that which I completely agree with surprise surprise um but yeah he's been really blimming good this year and I feel like a right mug for slagging him off at the start of the year so public apology I'm sorry Fernando Alonso you're actually really you're a legend there you go yeah wow told you so um (laughs) (laughs) no I mean as a big sort of long time Alonso fanboy it was I did. I didn't think he'd sort of. Yeah, that I knew it would. He would be like back on it, um, but yeah, it took him a, a little while. There were some races where, I mean, I will go the opposite way and thought he was going to absolutely obliterate Ocon, and there were moments where he just didn't do that. Um, for me, Fernando is the better, the better driver though, definitely, and I think it kind of shows with these, uh, with these grades. I think. Would it be unfair to say that Ocon's kind of uh, win? I, I know it wasn't like I know Alonso got kind of fortunate, but I feel like Alonso's podium, what it wasn't on pure pace, but like it wasn't like an absolute carnage race where all the big runners retired. Like I think Alonso got that podium almost in a fairly normalish race, um, and I think that's what made that podium so impressive was him getting a podium against the the top drivers um and beating you know a Sergio Perez and a and a Bottas or whatever um on the but track. Bottas had a problem didn't he, he? Oh, he did yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and Perez got given the very odd strategy as well so and you could say that I think he would have, it would have been though. a P5 yeah yeah but, it wasn't like a yeah. super carnage race but yeah I mean Al- Alonso was was brilliant and I think the the side to him that people don't like He's, he was definitely more playful and fun this year. Um, if he's given a championship winning car, which I would love to see, um, we're seeing the old Fernando back. Uh, no two ways about it. And he will be back to ruthless. He said it himself. He said it in interviews. He's like, you know, I'm throwing my toys out the pram. If, you know, the second, you know, if it's a highly competitive season, I've got a championship winning car. We will see that Alonso back. And, I hope we see it because it's brilliant. <laughs> Although I have I have enjoyed the fun the fun side of Alonso, but um, you know, I don't I don't want not, I don't want not annoying, there for the memes. I don't, I don't want annoying Fernando back. I want meme Fernando. He's he's fun. I don't. Uh, of course you don't. 
<laughs> love drama. Uh, right. Okay. Moving on. At one point clear of Fernando Alonso and then P6 is Pierre Gasly, which I'm very surprised about. I thought Pierre would probably be a little bit further ahead than Fernando in terms of the grades. What are we doing? Either way, uh, his best result was an A star in Baku for a podium, Netherlands and Mexico, where he finished fourth. And his worst grade was an E in Bahrain, where he lost his front wing early on. I think that was on Daniel Ricciardo, wasn't it? Um, it was. So, yeah, Pierre Gasly, P6. I'm, yeah, surprised. I thought he'd maybe even be up there with maybe P3, P4, but, you know, apparently we're washed up and don't know how to grade. But Pierre Gasly was very, very good this year. Um, you know, in the Alpha Tower, he was putting it in places it, it didn't belong. I think that there were moments where Alpha Tower messed up the strategy a little bit and maybe didn't allow him to challenge a little bit higher up and uh, get in the mixes of the Leclerc's and Norris's. But, yeah, I mean, considering Pierre Gasly's qualifying performances, you know, we'd expect in P5 or P6 in pretty much every single race. Maybe some of that goes towards the race pace of the car as well. But there are moments where I'm like, I'm looking at his like uh, his results and you go, well, actually, there were quite a few moments where he just lost potential points. And, you know, maybe that's where they haven't executed what clearly is a decent car. Uh, to the to the maximum of of AlphaTauri's ability, but you know P nine in the championship, five points behind Danny Rick. Yeah, overall Gasly was amazing, uh, but I feel like maybe there's still some lost points in that in that uh, results. Yeah, with AlphaTauri, they should have been Alpine, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend not ninety nine percent of that is on Sonoda. But um, at the end of the day, I think Gasly yeah, still did did lose points. I mean, like Bahrain, for example, that was. The the Alpha Tari was looking almost like the second or third best car in Bahrain. Yeah, uh, and for him to lose his front wing uh, on the first first um, lap uh, is not great. He's had some amazing performances, and he's just really performing really well in that team. Um, his qualifying is definitely a lot better. If it was if it's done on qualifying, yeah, I'd probably put him third, fourth best. Um, but surprisingly, yeah, when you look at, look back at his results, they're maybe not as impressive as um, it kind of feels like. It's still a very impressive season, like you say, to be, um, you know, not far off Daniel Ricciardo when Daniel Ricciardo got a win as well. Yeah. Um, it's very impressive and he was solid. But um, yeah, it was it was a good. I, I personally, well, well, I would because it's our, it's our grading system. But um, I think it's close. Uh, Pierre's like, top five um he's like almost there i think you could could even argue that he maybe had an even better season than than last year when he won uh won a race um i think he was more consistently just just good so um yeah good performance i'm just worried for gasly like where he's gonna go um like where where's the next career move because everyone's signing these really long long team deals with certain drivers and I worry that Gasly's got nowhere to sort of progress to. Well, these new regs might open up new opportunities and new teams that aren't Howdy. the front. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or aren't the front, you know, the normal Mercedes uh, and Red Bull. Maybe these new yeah. regs will allow for a Williams to be like, hey, well, look at me. We're number one now. Who wants to come drive for us? My, um, but, well, I don't know if it's a bold prediction or not, but I think Gasly will end up at. Aston Martin in a few years. That's my where I think he'll go. Um, but that's not what the question is. So um with Pierre Gasly, yeah, he's definitely one of the drivers that is like a star of the year. Um, but then when you actually look back at where he's finished and got those points, which is obviously the important thing, he only finished ninth in the drivers' championship, which you know, I would 
think having not looked at it, like if I had to pick out where he would have finished it, I would have thought it'd been like sixth or seventh with how he was qualifying and stuff like that. But with a few unfortunate retirements, I mean, like he completely ruined his race um, in Monza with the sprint because he was the victim of a first lap incident there and um, ended up retiring from that race anyway. So yeah, it's uh, it's an unusual one because, like you say, in our minds, we all think about Pierre putting him like top five in our quality predictions and, and it not even really being looked at twice. People are like, yeah, he probably will qualify there, um, but then just drops back when it comes to the race. But overall, very good year from Pierre. Yeah. Moving now to the top five. Mm. Four points clear of Pierre Gasly is Charles Leclerc with 92 points. His best was an A-star in Spain and Silverstone Mm -hmm. and a worst grade of D in France where he finished 16th. Um, Why did he get an A-star in Spain? I'm trying to remember. He finished fourth or something. Yeah, he finished fourth. Uh, Maybe it's because he just hauled that Ferrari to a place that we didn't expect. Maybe we we were just like, Um, well done. (laughs) Or we were just really passionate. Either way. Uh, He got a C in Monaco because we all disagreed on his quality crash. Um, (laughs) So yeah, Charles Leclerc, ah, difficult, difficult one. Um, I think it's been a reasonably poor season uh, for Leclerc when you look at someone coming into the team uh, and beating him in the points. But then on the flip side of that, on the races they did finish, Charles Leclerc beated, beat it, <laughs> beat, uh, didn't beat uh, in that way. Uh, he, um, he, on the races they did finish, uh, Charles Leclerc finished ahead of Carlos 13 times. So I'm not too worried as a fi- uh, fanboy. Uh, wait, not a fanboy, just passionate. Um, <laughs> 14. Oh 14? 14, 8. 14, 8 in the race and 13, 9 in qualifying. All right, mate. Jeez, you know the stats better than I do. I don't know where you've just plucked that out of. <laughs> um, but okay, cool. So even better than I thought. But um, but yeah, I think it's just he's just had a few moments. Obviously, you know, that crash in Monaco was, you know, painful. Uh, to say the least. Uh, but yeah, not as good of a, a season as I was maybe hoping in comparison to a brand new teammate. So uh, some work to do for Leclerc over the over the winter and to be better next year, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, well, from our rankings and just generally, Carlos did a much better job of that in that Ferrari, which is surprising seeing as it was his first year there. I mean, looking at the stats, obviously, Charles got his second place finish in Silverstone, um, but then Carlos to get four podium finishes compared to Charlotte Clerk's one is a, uh, well, speaks for itself kind of thing. But overall, it's a better year than 2020. So every cloud. <laughs> actually, no, I, no, I'm going to go back on it. I'm looking at his results and I'm going to say that he didn't actually have that poor of a season. Because it's not fourth I was, I, right. Hold on. I, was, no, I was literally about to yeah, become a Charlotte Clerk fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just, well, it's because, you know, I was tricking <laughs> Because, yeah. Oh, fine. I, You're not going to let me go back on myself. It's fine. You carry on. No, I was going to actually just, <laughs> uh, yeah, save, save your boy, Charles. Because, uh, yeah, if I look, uh, the reason I had that stat up is because um, F1 posted it. Um, and obviously, Science beat um, Leclerc in the championship by two places. It was only actually five and a half points. And a half points. Um, but, like I said, um, Charles finished 14 times ahead. and. To, to be honest, science being anywhere near Leclerc is unbelievable. I don't want to take anything away from science, but um, I would definitely not um, put Leclerc's season down because I think he was really good in a lot of places. I think 
the key that I think uh, what let Charles down is if you look at all the races that um, uh, Carlos got the big points in were the ones where actually Leclerc either crashed or went missing or what, or had a bad strategy or something. So well, he got crashed into, points... didn't he, in Hungary? So that's yeah. So he that got was crashed strong. into in Hungary, which yeah. was a big. Uh, and Russia which was, was the downfall. Uh, Monaco, uh, sorry, Matt. Uh, he crashed. Yeah, but again, it's, it's his fault. It's his fault. So, so it's a mix of like bad luck and his own fault. Where like science was more consistent. Leclerc for me was the better driver, but just missed out on on some big points finishes, which we saw with him only getting one podium. Yeah, at Silverstone, it's just Silverstone. Should have should have arguably won. Um, and. Uh, okay <laughs> and uh yeah and science got what four was it in the end um so it, it shows that different side to drivers i thought they were actually um both really good um Charles for me is quicker but maybe a little more crash happy uh uh because he's obviously probably pushing to try and uh, make up the deficit from the red bull and the the mercedes but i think he's had a pretty decent season to be fair to him yeah fair <laughs> yeah no it's fine uh it's just because i looked at it and I was, i'm still upset that you finished behind on the championship but uh but yeah i think you make a good point about the whole uh the the, the points where he lost uh a huge amount to carlos were the ones where he either did make a mistake monaco but also uh some things out of his hand hands even uh right so that's charlotte claire p5 in third we have a tie uh, and it's the former teammates, Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz, three points clear of Leclerc with 95. Uh, let's start with Lando first of all. He got an A-star in a lot of races. Imola, Monaco, Austria, Monza, his four podiums, basically, he got an A-star. And then a worst was a D in Belgium, where he made a mistake in qualifying, which, of course, then caused him to finish where he had crashed. So... Bit of a shame, obviously, Belgium and all that. Don't want to talk about it. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he didn't actually get an A grade again after Russia. Uh, so it's a bit of a weird one, really, because, of course, we were kind of hyping him up. Oh, my God, is he going to finish fourth in the championship or whatever? Uh, but then he ended up finishing sixth. And yeah, just whether that's... I was going to say whether that's due to the McLaren falling off a little bit, but not really. I mean, Danny Rick beat him in the USA, beat him in Saudi. Of course, Lando had that poor strategy in Saudi so I won't blame him too much for that but generally speaking I felt like Danny Rick closed the gap to Lando and then Lando wasn't getting as good of results as maybe he would have hoped so obviously an amazing first half of the season though which of course helped him very much uh, in the points tally but yeah Taylor two halves I think for Lando but overall I mean he can be very happy with his season yeah a little bit of a drop-off not too not too dissimilar to last year really where it was like absolutely unbelievable and then towards the end he kind of slipped down the championship order a little bit um to be fair i'd say that he was quite unlucky um you know like a puncture in qatar when he was running quite highly and like you say the strategy in saudi but you can't take away from him how amazing that start to the season was and his consistency was ridiculous and it's a shame about russia because he did um i think his season deserved a victory um because I think he just surprised everyone, surprised me. Like I say, I thought he was going to get um, completely sort of annihilated by Daniel Ricciardo, and he did He did the annihilating. So, um, yeah, fair play to Lando. It was a, a really, really, really good season. Um, he, what I'd say is he just needs to 
keep that consistency like all the way to the end of the season. Keep that consistency of just constantly getting podiums. Okay, cool. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not too hard. Come on, just be really quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's there's no taking away what a brilliant season or start to the season at least Lando had. Um, obviously, Russia leaves a, a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, and as uh, as Tommy noted in the in the podcast notes that he didn't get an A grade again after Russia. Perhaps that was maybe confidence had been dented or it was something along those lines, maybe more of a mental block or maybe like you say, the car just wasn't up to, up to scratch, but yeah, great shame that he didn't get that victory in Russia because he was looking very strong, but, and I know as, as brutal as it is, it's these things that can help shape you to be a better driver and, and know, you know, next time it rains, what you're going to ask the team rather and make sure that communication is better. Cause I think that's at the end of the day, kind of why it all fell apart is just because Lando said he didn't need inters, but if the team had said, well, there's going to be more rain coming then I'm sure inevitably that would have changed his decision. Um, so all these things will help just make him become a better driver. And I'd like to think that if McLaren have kind of, if they stay as consistently strong as they were this year, then I'm hoping there'll be a victory, um, for Lando next year. Wasn't Russia more down to the fact that the team just didn't know what they were doing and they didn't know that the same amount well, of rain as Mercedes, or they didn't estimate it as much. I think it was a little bit of both because Lando was pretty blunt on radio when they were like, Lando, do you need to change for a new set of inters? Oh, no, I think saying, they, didn't no. they ask him? They said, what do you want to do? And I know Lando was very blunt in his response, but I think that they were asking him what they, that my memory may not serve me correct, but I'm pretty sure they were asking him what they wanted to do. I know that communication could be better and they looked, should be looked their into decision, it. Though, uh, but, but yeah, yeah, that's the point. It's like they, they asked him and that was more probably on McLaren than it was Lando. But yeah, fair enough. I mean, it, it was just a, just painful no matter what, how we look at it really, isn't it? It was that classic, uh, <laughs> the classic second place thing where you don't want to sacrifice a lead. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that conversation first, is still place. going. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, second place has the advantage because yeah, they can yeah. gamble and do whatever they want, whereas the person in first um, goes to Abu Dhabi a bit of like, that conversation as well. Like, you you look like an idiot if, you know, you sacrifice you a lead and it doesn't away, pay yeah. off. So Cool. But yeah, overall, Lando, very, 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 very good. Uh, Carlos Sainz, he had an A star in Monaco and Turkey, where he made up 11 places, and also in Abu Dhabi. Uh, and he had five Cs over the course of the season. So I think you, we have mentioned, of course, I kind of flipped on how I felt about Leclerc's season as I looked at it. Uh, but with Carlos signs, I think we can all agree that it was a very, very good season from from Carlos. And, you know, to go into a new team, we could he could have easily been a Daniel Ricciardo and outperformed every single weekend pretty much. But that didn't happen. And definitely the driver of the ones that moved teams uh, and certainly up there in general, as this ABCDF1 ranking will show you, that he's one of the drivers of the season. And I think he's got a huge amount of confidence going into next year. Yeah, no, only two results in 2021 where he didn't finish in the points. And even then, both of those were 11th places. So he was just on the cusp. Um, but yeah, kind of Mr. Consistent in terms of just getting points throughout the year. Obviously, as we mentioned, his four podiums as well that he got. Um, he was a little bit crash happy, um, throughout certain parts of the year, especially in the middle of the season, it seemed that he just seemed to enjoy crashing into barriers for some reason, but, um, yeah, like looking practice at practice sessions as well. It was yeah. Yeah. Practice or qualifying. It just was very bizarre, but, um, 
clearly didn't seem to impact uh, his his race results too much because he was still getting those points. Um, but yeah, like we we mentioned on the um, Abu Dhabi podcast when we were talking about Carlos, you know, this hasn't come just as like a, a bit of luck. He's worked extremely hard to be in that position to know that Ferrari inside out, both the car and spending time at the team factory and and really embedding himself in that team. So it's always nice to see hard work rewarded with good results. And uh, yeah, he's uh, really made himself stand out because I don't think, I think it's fair to say that he's he's had some good results in his career you know obviously that the joke that he always seems to be promoted to a podium after a race if there's an incident that kind of thing um but he's never really been one of the star drivers of the season in my opinion anyway people might disagree with me um but this year he seems to really have broken through that and um, cemented himself in one of the top tier lists along with um the other great drivers I would disagree because wasn't he wasn't he really good at McLaren last year and everyone was sort of going wow. I think Katie was amazing. more saying that going into the top tier echelon of drivers. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's that's yeah. a fair comment. Because yeah, I I agree. I How dare have... you disagree with me, Tommy? Because <laughs> <laughs> because I agree. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have put him in the in the kind of top tier. But this season, like you say, no no other driver that moved did anywhere near as good as science, and he didn't really have a a bad race. I mean that that was the thing. The difference between Leclerc, like we mentioned, is he had he had a terrible race in Imola, loved crashing everywhere, and still finished P five. I love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so he still King. got probably got a C grade, I'm guessing, for that race. Um, but that was his worst grade all season was a was a C. So we never really gave him a a poor grade, and just yeah, just consistently really really good um, for him to go into that team after the year that Sebastian Vettel had and there was all this talk of like, oh, the car's cursed. It's like Red Bull where they're just sabotaging Vettel and they want Leclerc because he's the golden boy. And then for Sainz to come in and beat him in the in the points is absolutely insane. So yeah, what what a season from from Carlos. Okay. It's now time to dun, announce dun, dun. time to get who is the, <laughs> but yeah. Who is the uh, well the runner up for the ABCDEF one season rankings and it goes to Lewis Hamilton with 103 points so that is eight clear of the two we've just spoken about and uh, yep Lewis had an A star six times in Bahrain, Portugal, Spain, Brazil, Qatar and Abu Dhabi and a worst grade of D in Monaco and Baku which was back-to-back D's. Um, Big space between the A stars, three of the first four races and then three of the last four races. You're right, Katie. Yeah, I just got the giggles because I'm About five the, years old. It, is, it the, is it the D? <laughs> it might be. So back to back, back to D's. back D's. Uh, and he had no A stars in the middle of the season, did Lewis Hamilton. Um, how do I sum up Lewis Hamilton's season in a way that doesn't anger the entirety of Team LH? <laughs> uh, no, I think that he hasn't been bulletproof this season. Uh, obviously, Mercedes, well, I mean, I say obviously, depends who you are. But it seems as though Mercedes were on the back foot a tiny bit in terms of performance. If you look at the season as a whole, I think even um, Adrian Newey came out and said that he thinks that Red Bull were the quicker car over the season. So I think that Lewis had moments of absolute brilliance, as we always see from Lewis. But at the same time, we didn't see that bulletproof Lewis Hamilton that maybe we have seen in the past. And maybe there will be moments where he looks back on and would have done things differently. But Generally speaking, of course, it's still an amazing season from Lewis. Both him and Max deserve the championship, no doubt about it. Um, 
I just don't think it's probably Lewis's best season uh, from just some of the the moments. Uh, for example, let's take a look at Monaco. Yeah, Monaco. Mm. I uh, yeah yeah. It's funny you say that because I've seen so many people say, "Oh, this was Lewis's greatest season," and I think that's a disres- I think that's a disrespect to him. To be honest, I can't. I can't sit here and say that was Lewis's best season. For me, he was absolutely phenomenal. And I think he proved a lot of doubters wrong because particularly that first race, there's no doubt in my mind that the Red Bull was the better car. And the Mercedes wasn't woeful because Bottas still finished third. But the first race, the whole season, it was like, oh, finally, Lewis doesn't have the best car. We'll see Verstappen win. And Hamilton beat him in Bahrain. Um with an amazing drive. And I feel like we saw that side of Lewis um, where, you know, he proved the doubters wrong when he didn't have um, the car a lot of the time and absolutely annihilated Bottas. But then, like you say, we saw races like, I mean, Baku is is such a pivotal race now. We look back on the season where he had that opportunity to take such a huge chunk out of Verstappen's lead and the the whole magic button. Um but then, yeah, Monaco yeah. was, I'd argue Monaco was probably the worst race we've seen from Lewis Hamilton in ages where Bottas was actually up there and Hamilton just seemed to have absolutely no pace, which is so strange. Um, but yeah, this season for me just showed that you can't write Hamilton off and we'll go into Verstappen. But the season Verstappen had for Hamilton to have almost won the title is absolutely remarkable and unbelievable. So um, yeah, no doubt. Um, an incredible season from him. And it, it was that consistency at the end where after Mexico, we're all like, this is it. Verstappen's going to win the title. And then it's like, bang, winning from 20th in Brazil. And then you were just like, that's it, it's over. He's going to win every race, easy. Um, and then chaos, which we won't talk about. But um, <laughs> yeah, still still a an, an unbelievable season from, from Hamilton, no doubt. Yeah, it's been very refreshing actually to have a championship battle with Hamilton and another driver because every year people have sort of said, oh, well, all Hamilton has to do is kind of show up and he'll get pole because he's got the fastest car and then he'll just lead and that'll be that. So it has been really awesome to see him actually, you know, go wheel to wheel with somebody on track. Um, And yeah, he has made a lot of mistakes. There's no shying away from it. Even I know, you know, Imola where he, he had that incident where he went off the track because of the the damp weather conditions, hit the wall, obviously not at a, a speed that wrote the car off. It just, you know, donked the front wing, but still he was able to, uh, to recover from that. Um, and as you said, magic button, obviously completely unintentional. He didn't want to be going straight on. He wants to be going left. Um, but it happened and it, it, there's lots of other little things that have been sprinkled throughout the year which um, Silverstone like that wasn't yeah exactly if they yeah. still won like yeah there's there's been um several uh different examples this year where mistakes have been made whether they are intentional or um accidental um but it just proves like you say that even with those mistakes and having a a car that is extremely quick and somebody like Max Verstappen behind the wheel of that car, who is an incredible driver that Lewis is still able to go into Abu Dhabi with a chance of taking a record-breaking eighth title, like really is remarkable from him and shows why Hamilton is 
um, you know, the greatest of of our time. So, whoa, um, I, she brought up well, the goat statement. Hello, didn't didn't start it with statistically. She just went straight up with, she, he's the goat. Fair. Yeah, well, I think you know Max is undoubtedly a, a brilliant driver, but at the moment, in in the form that he has got and all the championships behind him, I would stick with that at the moment. But I said of this time, <laughs> I didn't say I ever. Say Max is the goat. Yeah. Wait, what? Is going well, actually, to be fair, if you're going on race wins and you actually put it for the amount of races they've each had, um, uh, Shumi will still be ahead by two wins, apparently. So here we go. Who is the real goat? We will decide one day and we all die. Nicholas right. the <laughs> Go Tifi. And the final person we need to speak about, of course, is Max Verstappen, who won the ABCDEF1 rankings by a massive 15 points, which is quite miraculous when you look at how close most of the other drivers have been uh, so 118 points for max verstappen he had a start 12 times over the course of the season uh, and he had one two three four five six seven ten wins and he had two c grades monza and saudi so five of the a star grades were in a row between monaco and austria extremely close to averaging out as an a star for the entire season 12 a star grades eight a grades zero b's we didn't fancy giving him any b's whatsoever and two c grades so i mean max has had the an unbelievable season and when you look at the where he lost points and whatnot you know and who deserves the championship i do think both deserve the championship no doubt but max put in a season of a lifetime uh, in my opinion uh, and of course that red bull you know he was given the red bull and it was finally a title challenger from the word go and he utilized it of course there were moments where we go oh my god is he a bit too aggressive yada 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 his driving style towards the end of the season as well you know there's lots of things we can talk about in terms of stewards decisions etc but for what he's done and the pace that he's produced in that car every single race weekend uh, he is uh, the number one driver for this year, no doubt in my mind. And he deserved the championship. He did. Not in the way it unfolded, but he deserved the championship. Gotta be careful what you say there, Matt. Ah! <laughs> Cancelled. Um, but yeah, no, looking at the grades that we've given Max and Lewis this year, as you mentioned, we gave Verstappen 12 A stars. We gave Hamilton six We were at gunpoint for eight of them because Tommy told us that we had to on this. Uh, That's true, you know, otherwise. Wrap the cape around our heads. <laughs> <laughs> God, what a brutal way to go. Um, but yeah, like double the amount of A stars um, for, for Verstappen. Both of them with eight A's. Um, Hamilton with five B's. Verstappen had none, as you mentioned. Um, two C's for Max, only one for Lewis, and then two D's for Hamilton and none for Max. So, yeah, it was a, a brilliant season from from Max. Um, showed total dominance, kept his head cool when it mattered, and he had a championship winning car underneath him. Um, and you know, as we will say until the cows come home, both of them were equally as deserving of that championship. Um, but there can only be one winner, and it is a twenty-two race season. Um, I mean, we've talked about it many times. It's unfortunate the way that it, it did have to end um, in those circumstances. But I would say that, yeah, I think having an overall look at the season, um, Max was just the stronger of the two. Not to say that Hamilton was weak or anything. They were both incredibly good. It's just the case Ooh, of having to keep everyone happy. Can you, tell, can you tell Twitter's been a lot of fun oh the way God, every time I've we mention Max? It's like, but also people. Lewis is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, well done. Well done, Max. What do you think, Pepper? 
Oink. Is it not Percy no Pig? Comment. Even oh, Percy. Yeah, well, Peppa yeah. Pig's a kids' cartoon. Sorry, yeah, Percy that is Pig. Percy Pig. Sorry, sorry, get a Peppa Pig fans. I apologise. <laughs> yeah, with with um, Max, his you know, even as the biggest Max cheerleader, which I obviously don't hide, um, I was worried that if Max got given a championship-winning car, there's never been any doubt in my mind that his speed is ridiculous and he's arguably like the fastest driver in formula one but the consistency whoa but the consistent really would you not would you not it's just controversial hamilton's hamilton's (laughs) definitely the more mature balanced driver but for me max is faster but that's fine um but i'd worry that, that his consistency would be the thing that let him down but if you look at the grades that we've given him throughout the season um i mean if you you take the sort of bad luck he had in baku the crashes with hamilton and bottas um i even watched uh i monza was on the other day and i forgot he had that 11 second pit stop which put him back in the the pack and he probably netflix stopped that netflix stopped (laughs) his pit stop because he came out and then right right to hamilton yeah yeah. Yeah, exactly (laughs) but uh, if he hadn't have had that slow pit stop he was he might not have undercut Ricardo, but you know he might have finished top two again. We could have had a season without that bad luck, where he'd have finished first eleven times and second eleven times, and we'd be talking about one of the most ridiculous seasons ever, where his consistency was just unbelievable. So that was probably for me the biggest surprise. And yeah, his driving uh, at the end got very desperate um, because of the nature of the the title and how sort of heated it was. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind that he deserved the title over the course of the year um, and is a worthy champion despite the FIA uh, absolutely ballsing up the, the finale, which I will admit. But um, for me, Verstappen, you know, was an unbelievable season and deserves to uh, have a championship. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that, Max. Friend. <laughs> Take care of uh, okay. Oh, sorry, sorry. And Lewis was also wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you have an opinion? How dare you? Uh, right. This next bit, I've no idea what you've written here. Top five medals table, Tommy. Is that in order? Because it was just. It's it looks just like it's the wrong way round. Because Norris and Signs surely should be the other way around if we're going fifth to first. But no worries. Uh, that's fine. Just trying to. You're trying to Ron Burgundy me right now. Just a random. Uh... Just look at the the table. Yeah, I know, but the table's the wrong way round. That was me. That wasn't Tom. Oh, Katie. Okay, so in fifth place, if we're going (laughs) on medals, and the medals, of course, is the fact that A-star is the goldest of gold medal, so that Leclerc would be in fifth, Sainz would be in fourth, Norris would be in third, Hamilton second, and Verstappen first. Verstappen 12 A-stars, Hamilton six, Norris four, Sainz three, Leclerc two. So there you go. And of, funnily enough, of all of those drivers, the most to get a D grade was Hamilton with two. So mm. make of that what you will, because I don't know what that really suggests. But either way, we have gone through all 21 drivers of the 2021 season. Do we feel any better after that? <laughs> need to lie down. <laughs> it's been a, an emotional roller coaster of a season. Just going back to some of those races, like Bahrain does feel about, 40 yeah. years ago yeah my brain is frazzled uh, after all of that the fact that i was even questioning leclerc's season just shows how much has gone on and how, <laughs> <laughs> and how my brain has been slowly dying thank you to tune fix 2 again for uh basically keeping 
track of all of that because we don't yeah, have we'll time to. Uh, but yes, we will have a link, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, thank you everybody for watching and listening. Tell me final thoughts. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my God, that was like the equivalent of um, JB from Merry JLS. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Okay, is that it, Tommy? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to uh, outdo your Merry Christmas with antlers. You can't really see them in this light. I'm going to say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Oh, just have to wait. Okay, and I'm going to say Merry Christmas or whatever you celebrate and Happy New Year. Oh, <laughs> how about them apples? Huh? Boom. Uh, but there you go. Is this, this will be our last poddy before Christmas. So, yes. Yes. Yes, it will. So, uh, thank you, everybody, for watching and listening, as always. Uh, hashtag WTF on podcast. If you want to get involved in the conversation, as always. And uh, yes, have an amazing. Uh, holidays whatever you're getting up to uh, thank you for continuously supporting this podcast and listening and watching we are r- ridiculously high in the rankings as tommy was sharing on our so on wtf on social media uh, and his own as well um uh, so thank you for getting us up there you know with the big boys really appreciate it so uh there you go thank you everybody and uh, we'll see you next week for another podcast Bye. End of season review. Bye. End of season review. 50 hours. Ultimate season review. 50 hours. Bye. Bye.